Hi, this is Bernie Torrance. And I'm Carol Yoder, and we'd like to invite you to our program called Living Stones. It's time to move from being a stepping stone to a living stone. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Remember, God doesn't waste anything. You're created to be a believer, walking in wisdom and values. I am excited once again for today's Heirloom Seed because uh, we're shifting gears right now. We're moving out of what we called Adventure 1, which was a discovery, into Adventure 2, which is all about development and and growth and service. But uh, when we look at the last five weeks that we've had, I mean, if you can picture just on our hand, we, we talked about uh, excess and we talked about greed and we talked about corruption and we talked about laziness and then pride, those, those things that get in the way. Uh, we were going through exposure in many ways. Did you experience that at all, Carol? I did. I think I think exposure is good in that we can look at our defects, but then we're also exposing that positive. Yeah. It's those are positive things in our life that we are going after honesty. We're going after humility. We're going after self-control. And so exposure is a yeah. good thing. Yeah. And with the help of God because we are powerless <laughs> and when it comes to that defect which was such an interesting it isn't i'm not looking for defects in me i'm asking god to scan me look through me do a mri to find out what areas of alignment do i need in my life and it's just been beautiful and then today as we look at what i consider then the uh the pillars of revelation which is wise planning and common sense at one time these were all together weren't they gail that's right we were talking about that last week Bertie where in the very beginnings of Lored, the, the modules were actually a month long. There were mm -hmm. four weeks focused on similar concepts. Exactly. And that really brought a transformation as we were discovering and becoming aware of all four of those elements. And this felt so much the, so much the same. Yes, it does. Because what, what happened there was that we would have what we'd call a value because the value here was effective planning. The proverb was any enterprises built by wise planning become strong through common sense and keeping abreast of the facts. It profits wonderfully when we keep abreast of the facts. And then we settled that with goals. And that was the four week module that you would have gone through. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then in that, we were able to see it. And that's what we're experiencing now is that when Coach Dan is sharing, we're seeing one side maybe of what humility was last week. Then when, when uh, Johnny Ruth shared, it was another side. And then John Schrock shared another side. There was like those three dimensions. And then and then for me, David Smoo and Dr. David, when he talked about the hidden chambers, it set this captive free. I mean, I, I just experienced that. Beautiful. I think about that illustration of the elephant and people who were standing yes. around the elephant and they said, well, you know, blind people who had the uh -huh. elephant and they said, well, what, what, what does the elephant feel like? And one of them was by the trunk and they said, you know, it feels like this. And one was by a leg and it feels like this. And one was by the tail. And I think that's what you're describing is wow. well, which side of the elephant are we on? We were getting those different perspectives and we get a different paradigm. We'd get a paradigm shift from whatever view we're getting. And out of that emerges this bigger picture yeah. 
of what that value, that principle is. Yeah, and and really a mentoring, because we talk so much about mentoring. We are being mentored by many people, including each other on our daily thread or in the prison system. We have the the little sheets that they fill out, you know, the seven day sheets. And it's not it's not just accountability. There's something deeper. I, and I'm trying to figure out, get my hands on it. What is it that, that we're touching that's deeper than accountability? For me, I, for me, it's the self-discovery. Going back to these discoveries, uh-huh. when we discover things ourselves, it just brings such transformation and increased awareness. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing it every day, sharing our thoughts with one another every day, and people are commenting on there uh, of what we've shared, or they add layers to it. I think the awareness is so heightened. That's what I'm sensing, and that's been causing that internal combustion for me. Internal combustion. I love that phrase that that came out in one of your your texts this week. What does that mean to you, internal combustion? It it just feels like I've been so aware and then experience it, and then God's setting up these uh, these moments of clarity, and out of those moments of clarity comes a commitment to change. And that's internal combustion for me. It's like something's a catalyst. These are such catalysts for change. You're totally right. And you you know, that concept of discovery, if if I learn something, it's one thing, but if I discover it, you know, when you Mm. discover, and and a, a wise teacher will allow the student to discover the truth for themselves. It won't be a learned thing. It would be discovery. Gail, I remember when we used to do, um, uh, international restaurants. We were celebrating the nations of of the world, and you had this international restaurant thing once a week, and or once a month. And we would go if it was we were studying Italy and praying for Italy, we'd go to an Italian restaurant, or if we were studying Ireland, we went to Mulligans. But but once you took us to those restaurants that I had never been to before. The second time I took my friends there, and it's as if I had discovered it myself. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that the beauty of discovery? Mm. That we didn't discover the United States. Uh, the Native Americans were here long before we were, long before Christopher Columbus. Uh, there were people who had discovered what it would be in the Incas and the Ant Mayans and the Aztecs, and they it was their land. And I think God is is just heating that up for all of us to know that uh, you know, discovery means we claim it for ourselves. And this is so far from that because we are leading people to claim it for themselves. The manifest destiny is their destiny, not mine. I love that discovery. There's still like creatures in the deep sea being yes. discovered, yes. but they were there all along. And I think that those are the beautiful things inside of us that we're discovering. I was thinking about that word awareness too. And I also think of it like being purified, like gold or silver that comes, there's the impurities come to Mm -hmm. the surface and then we can skim them off. And then our reflection becomes clearer and clearer and we see clearer and clearer Mm -hmm. and our hearts become purer and purer. That's so beautiful. Well, we're going to visit now uh, the incredible principle of effective planning and uh, the enemy that we we look at in this is the enemy of being impulsive, and uh, that ties into those uh, those principles of restraint and controlling our tongue and everything. But but in planning, if we have a plan, it takes away the impulsiveness. And I've I've always been one of those people that this is this is a weakness to me because I always say it's ready 
fire aim because I don't know. I may hit it. <laughs> so I should learn to aim before I fire. And uh, and that's what this this value does. So let's listen to John Schrock as he shares. And then then I want to challenge everybody to think about the impulsiveness in your life as you listen to this. John, this next principle is the principle of effective planning, and it's based on Proverbs 24, verse 3, one of our favorite. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. That's right. You know, and when we um, did our company together, uh-huh. uh, that was one of the uh, positive effects of our company because that's we emphasized that Proverbs, any enterprise is built by wise planning. So we tried to plan wisely, even though we were not skilled planners mm-hmm. we practiced this and that became a lot of our, our success from it that. was foundational absolutely that's right foundational. very very foundational there are different views on how we should or should not plan our lives there are some who quote the scripture take no thought for tomorrow believing it means not to plan anything this view is held by many believers others of course differ but consider that our lords who spoke these words came to our world on a planned mission that was designed by god with goals and appointed times. This leads us to believe that we should also plan our lives. My personal belief is that we should live our lives as though we may die tomorrow, yet plan as though we may live to be a 100. That's wisdom, John. That really is. And you know, the uh, kind of what bothers me is that with that type of belief, it makes us wash our hands from responsibility or planning for this life, you know, and I, we all know that when we die, we go to heaven. We, we know that. But the thing is, is that with that attitude, you don't plan anything and then mm-hmm. nothing happens. And so believers then become uh, what you call ineffective in the world system. They become ineffective as far as productivity because they wash their hands and say, I don't need to plan anything because I shouldn't take thought even for what's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so they just want to sit around and say, like, well, God, take care of me. And God is not necessarily as much a doer as he is an inspirer. So with that attitude, though, God can't even inspire you because mm. you can only be inspired based upon what you believe. And so if that's what you believe, you can't even hear from God to get something done. That, that, that's a real paradigm shift for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that really needs to be understood. Very few things are ever achieved without a vision of the future and a plan of how to bring it into existence. Ninety percent of our life can turn out to be as we envision with good planning. Without a plan... We merely respond to situations as they come along. We will either have a plan for our lives or we will become part of someone else's plan. Wise planning will save us from lots of problems in every aspect of life, making it orderly and meaningful. That's really true. And, you know, I mentioned there about 90% of our lives can turn out the way we envision it to to be if we have a good planning. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the problem, again, is because if you don't believe that uh, we should plan for this life and uh, have goals and plans for it, then we won't plan, and then we will not have 90%. But 90% of our lives really can honestly turn out to be if we plan right. Now, we're not not, not 100%. You can't uh-huh. do that because there's other things involved, and you got to be careful with that. But I personally believe that if a person has a vision— he has, and, and then he sets a plan, sets a goal, and he focuses towards that. That's the same as going out in rifle range or something. Like you put up a goal and you shoot and then you learn mm-hmm. and your skills sure. get good enough and finally you hit the target and you become an expert in doing that. And so if you set goals and if you have a plan and stuff like that and then you practice following the plan and steer that way, then your mind is focused. And when it's focused, you'll reach 85 90% of that. But there are exceptions to the rules. But uh, but the key is this, that most people become a part of someone else's plan. 
and then they just fit into that. And if that's what a person wants, that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't matter if that's what a person chooses to be. But we shouldn't do it ignorantly. If I choose just to work for you and be a part of your plan and I just work eight hours a day and go home, if that's my choice, if that's I understand that, then that's still okay. God doesn't care. He doesn't force you to do things. But if you complain about how life is turning out for you, then then you got to examine that and say, like, I'm a part of everybody else's plan. Yes. And the reason it's not coming out is because I'm not planning for myself. And so that, that makes a difference. For our plan to be successful, it must contain three elements. Number one, we must have a vision. That's true because it's like uh, it's like without a vision, you have you can't focus your mind. Your mind is freewheeling and to go every direction with every possibility. You'll think of all the possible things you can do. But if you get a vision, what a vision does, it narrows it down and says, this is what I choose and be. And then you'll, your mind then focuses. It puts like blinders on you, and then that becomes your vision. And so now all your energy and all your effort and everything goes towards the focus of what you're looking at and what your plan is. That's why you have to have a vision, because without a vision, you can't plan. Number two it must spell out our mission. That's right. Now, if you have a plan, if you have a plan, then that, then you have to put the plan together, and then you say, now, in order to get there, this now becomes my mission. This is my mission in life, and then that becomes a part of that of that plan. Then that's they're just really good things. <laughs> and number three, we must have a strategy of how we are planning to achieve it. That's right. It won't happen. We can have a dream, and we can have a vision, but if it doesn't turn into a mission that makes our all focus towards it. If we don't, and if we don't have strategies how to get there, then the vision will just lay there dormant. So it, it's a planning strategy of following the vision. People must have a vision in order to be happy. This becomes our mission and purpose. Our mission will then demand a plan with specific goals. One of the most important parts of our lives is to experience achievement. All good plans have short and long-term goals and have time allocations and achievement dates. This way, we can measure our progress. This becomes a game plan with responsibilities and rules to follow. The plan becomes the rules of the game. Now, that's very, very important because I call it the game of life. Mm -hmm. And the game of life takes the work portion out of it. It takes the sweat portion out of it. Because if it's a game that you're playing, you can play hard. And because it's fun, it, it has goals and stuff like that. And, and so a game is not supposed to be hard work. See, they say uh, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, uh -huh. which means that if you make a game out of life, if it becomes a game plan, then then it's a strategy in your mind, and then life is not work. It doesn't seem like work. It's just like you're catching up in the game. You're caught up in the game, and so you have fun in the game. And that attitude is what makes and develops effective people in, uh, in our planning and makes us productive in it. And that's what this whole subject is, this whole series about productivity. That makes it fun in doing work. You can work hard, sweat hard, you know, mm. but it's a, it's a game then, and it's, you're having fun doing it. The plan becomes the rules of the game. Imagine playing basketball without a hoop or baseball without bases. We could never decide whether we were winning or losing or know whether we were performing well or poorly. There is no way to measure our progress if there are no plans and goals for the game. It is hard to enjoy a vacation without a wise, realistic plan of where we are going and how much it will cost. The plan is what causes the excitement. There you go. That's what it is. It's the plan is what causes the ex excitement because that becomes the focus. 
and then you have achievement levels, and so it's goals that you have all within that. And so when you get up in the morning, you know why you're getting up. It gives you purpose. It gives you drive. It, I mean, it's energy. The whole thing is tied into that because the plan is what causes the excitement. Mm. You know, when you plan a vacation, uh, uh, because when you plan a vacation, saying like, then you know what's going to happen as you go along, saying, well, we're here, we're here, we're here, and it's mm. about time to go home. And So the whole thing becomes what you call a game plan, and that's what creates excitement in the planning and the strategy of it. And then walking it out. I mean, it, it's, it's fun. <laughs> That's what I believe. The plan will show us how and when to get there and what we're going to do while we are there. Our entire lives need to be planned wisely. This makes life interesting. That's right. Very, very interesting. If you t ever taste it right, if life is a bore, you just don't know what you're talking about because you've not tasted the right stuff because it becomes interesting. If we want to succeed and have God's blessing... Our plan should have these four concerns. Number one, is it achievable? That's right. If you make, sometimes people make plans, and it's so far out, it's so big that it, it's not measure. It, it's like it's not something that uh, it's not even a dream. It's just a it's just a crazy idea or something like. It has to be achievable, so that so that you get up in the morning with the idea that I'm going to achieve part of this here. Number two is. It maintainable after it is achieved. That's right. Some people set so high goals, like uh, I see watch a lot of people watching uh, lose weight and stuff like that, and they set a goal, I want to lose 100 pounds. And it's better off if they say, I want to lose 20 pounds, and then lose the 20 pounds, and then just don't even try it more, but just maintain it for a couple months, and then take another crack. But you mm -hmm. got to learn to maintain it, or you'll lose 100 pounds or whatever they want to do. And then you gain it right back. So you have to learn to maintain the steps that you've taken in that direction. Number three, what effect will it have on our family and friends? That's right, because everything costs. Everything costs. If you want success, if you want to do wise planning for for succeeding in something, it costs you something. And then you have to make sure that saying, what effect will it have on our family and our friends? Because there is a price to pay. And the fourth reason is this. What will I become and the end result. That's really true. And there's an old saying that says uh, says that uh, money only makes you more of what you already are. So if you're a drunk, you just drink more. If, you, uh, if, if you're greedy, it just makes you more greedy. So you have to watch that when you set plans for something, you have to ask yourself the question, do I have some bad faults that I need to deal with? Because if I get and achieve my plan and stuff like that, it'll just make me more of what I am. So we got to be careful with that. Not everything we plan will work out but at least we can measure according to our plan and then readjust wisely. God wants us to plan our lives. He will bless our plan when we seek him for guidance. That is planning wisely. We must make sure we build or plan our lives on a set of values that will produce good character while we are in the process of achieving it, or we will become a failure rather than a success. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I, I see some people that think like they set goals and have a vision and... Uh, and they plan things, and they get so tied in with it, and then they forget their values. And the first thing you know, they'll do crooked things, and they'll they'll uh, they'll lose their their direction of something, and then they steer in all types of directions and go too wide, and you know, just lose it. And uh, in the end results, they lose the culture that they've developed, and they lose the business that they've developed, and finally, they just become it becomes a disgrace. They're actually what it did; they achieved their plan, but it destroyed them personally. And uh, in achieving it, they became a failure in their own life. Some of the richest men in all the world have done that. I could tell you wild stories about that. 
but that's something we always have to take care of. principle of planning proverbs 24 verse 3 any enterprise is built by wise planning john that's true that's really true but you know i was just uh, considering some things here you know if you don't have uh, a vision you don't need a plan and so if a person doesn't plan a lot of times it's because he doesn't have a vision but they they need each other in order to make it work uh, the Bible says, you know, that without vision, people perish, which means that if you have a vision and don't put a plan together to accomplish the vision, you also perish. And so planning is so critical to make things happen because things don't just happen. Just because a person has a vision, that does not make it happen. It only happens if you plan out the vision and put some strategies together for how to bring it about. The question that we should all ask ourselves is, where am I and is what, where I'm at is what I want it? Or is it not what I want? If it is, or if it isn't, you need to take a plan and adjust the plan and make sure that you know what you're doing in your plan. That'll fulfill your vision. Oh, my. You know, this is, um, you can feel the direction shift on this one, can't you? Because it moves from those things that were internal and now external were putting the push. I underlined a lot here. One of them that really hit me though was um, uh, when he was explaining the plan and it was that number three in the uh, second column. And it says, what effect will it have on our family and friends? Everything costs. And I thought, man, is that the truth? Because uh, in my life, there's things that I wanted that were like desires, but then when you get them, you find out the cost of them. Uh, there was a line in here about maintenance. It's one thing to gain. It's another to maintain. And how often you can acquire something. There, there's a proverb that says, the slothful man will slay the deer and then not dress it. It's just like you go out and you shoot it and let it lay there because you don't know what to do. There wasn't a plan for what to do with that 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 you had slayed that speaks to me because I've left some carcasses laying around that uh, really I thought were desires and they just became more and more responsibilities. How about you, Carol? Well, one of the things that I underlined was that we must make sure we build or plan our lives on a set of values, which will produce mm -hmm. good character while we are in the process of achieving it, or we may become a failure rather than a success. And what struck me was that we are shifting from that inward, we've we've been on this journey inward, uh -huh. and now we're projecting ahead, kind of outward. But what we produced inside is now going to yes. affect what we're planning. Yeah. So whatever we produced, that character yes. that we're working on, that we've been working so hard on, it still affects our future because our plan is dependent on uh, we're going to make a, a plan that is going to keep our good character in place and an outworking of that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Again. I love that, Carol. I was thinking when we were talking about discovery, how when people would go to discover things, they're going out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they then they discover things. They, they pave the way. 
And I was thinking uh, that from the internal work we've been doing, this is an uncomfortable external work for me because of my nature. Like Bernie was saying, it I'm a free spirit. You know, there's that, like Dave Ramsey talks about free spirits. But what I love about being mentored by John is that he makes planning fun because he called it, it's the game of life. And that just speaks to my spirit. It speaks to who I am. And it says, this becomes a game plan with responsibilities and rules to follow, which isn't a bad thing. And his attitude was, he said, we have an attitude and it becomes fun and the achieving is fun and the rules are fun. And I'm not a kind of person, the kind of person that thinks, oh, that's a really fun rule. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you think about that and the outcome of a good plan, uh, it is very enjoyable and a wonderful way to live. The impulsiveness of life, that was one of the things that in the in the book, it, it talked about the enemy of impulsiveness, that uh, I, I plan effectively, but I destroy or resist that enemy of impulsiveness. I think about impulsiveness as we think we have a plan, but but when we want something, uh -huh. and then if we didn't really make a plan and we don't follow the plan, we're like, you know, that squirrel, you know, yeah. we get distracted by anything yeah. that comes along to, to get us off track. My son is such a great example of this because he will say, mom, discipline over motivation. Yes. So I see that as, man, we want something. That's our motivation. Man, I want to look like that or I want to have that thing. Yes. But he said, motivation, he tells me, motivation is going to wear off. Mm -hmm. And that's when discipline kicks in. So like the that. plan is the discipline. He said, I know what I'm going to do when I have a plan. And so I'm not distracted by, and when my motivation wears out, I still have a plan. And that's called discipline. Kara, would you mind reading those uh, three discussion questions for planning? Yes. The first one says, what do you want to become? Or I might even say, who do you want to become? Mm. Number two, how do you plan to get there? And number three, are your goals connected with your plan? Oh, so powerful. And how about that thought to ponder, Gail? You can travel any road and get somewhere, but if you know where you want to go, you must plan which roads to take. Such common sense. Well, when I think of the recovery community, one of the things that uh, they talk about in the triangle, they say, okay, we understand the 12 steps, and we've covered many of those steps. Uh, and then the next is the fellowship. That's where they're getting together. And there's they call it a society that you can go anywhere in the world. And if you're part of the recovery community, there's a language that's spoken that's just like a shop talk. It's the way they understand uh, and then the bottom part of that is service. And that's what I wanted to think of here is that as we pray that that we are being called to service because those last three steps of recovery is that which I have learned, I now want to share with my fellow man. And they make it so clean that it's it doesn't benefit you. There's you can't set something up and say this is this is now my key to this or my that the whole concept of uh, anonymous is that. And uh, so I want to plan at this point to be a service to mankind. That's the desire of my heart and the desire really of this whole thing, that, that we, we become the pollinator rather 
than the consumer because as we emerge from this chrysalis project, we are no longer crawling over things. We want to be pollinators. And so the thought is moving from being a consumer into becoming a pollinator. And how would you see that, Carol? Yeah, I think that the butterfly, as it as it moves from flower to flower, that it is it is helping others to produce fruit. Yes. It is it's going to help those flowers that are in need of that pollination. It's it's giving. It's it's taking from this to this to this wherever it stops. It's giving. Uh, it's giving something wherever yes. it stops. It's the difference maker in many ways. It becomes the difference maker. You think of the honeybees and the ones they hover and they move. I think Walt Disney was the one that says, "I, I see myself as a bumblebee moving from place to place of creativity and just offering." That's what it would be. Just, just pollinating those creative ideas. I was thinking of milk and honey. That's what you're talking yes. about because in this. In this principle, the milk and honey is, it'll save us from lots of problems, planning will, but it will make things more orderly and more meaningful. And that's what you're talking about. We're going to, our lo- our own lives will be more orderly and more meaningful. And that's God-like. Mm-hmm. And that's the motivator. And then we're going to help other other people reach their own potential as well. And I think healing, like we're talking Mm -hmm. about inner, Mm. our inner um, working that's happening in us. And then once we've come through that process, now we can go and help other people through the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us. And now that we know these things, we're compelled. The Bible says we're compelled to go help others. Oh, that's beautiful. Father, we just feel that right now in the spirit, Lord, that we've discovered things that we are in you. I mean, we are in you because we're part of you. Uh, We've discovered things that, that we're now created to go place into the lives of others, Lord. Those, those epiphanies, those teachable moments, those divine appointments that you give us, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that even this week we will have a testimony of of what it is to water someone else as we water ourselves by watering others. Oh, what a reverse part of the kingdom that is. Bless us, Lord, as we pollinate this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Please visit us at www.lored.org for more values-based leadership material. And if you've enjoyed this program, please sign up for the weekly downloads and share this podcast with your friends.